Imagine waking up today and you're a Los Angeles Rams fan. Now, according to the NFL's copyright policy, which may or may not be a complete load of BS, I don't know if I can legally tell you the final score of the game based on my observations. But, if I cite my sources, I think we can skate by. So, according to NFL.com, the final score of the game was the New England Patriots 13 and the Los Angeles Rams 3. And boy, is that score indicative of how the game actually went. Hello, and welcome to the Take It Off Live podcast. My name is Mike Emgrid. Now, I'm sure a lot of you, like I did, watched the game. And it had the makings of being a really exciting game. You had... The Los Angeles Rams, which were a very hot team at the time, they had bulked up their team in the offseason to make them very competitive. They acquired all of these free agents. They had a quarterback that they believed in. They had a coach that they believed in. And they were going up against, arguably, the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. So this had the real makings of being a high-quality game. What we got was the opposite of that. What we got was a low-scoring and... What you could, if you would look at this game, you would think that it was going to be a defensive. You thought you think it was a defensive battle. I mean, thirteen to three is a really low scoring game, and it also happens to be the lowest scoring Super Bowl in NFL history. But that's not what it was. It was just a sloppy, ugly game all around, and that's really all I have to say about that. Those other aspects of the game, though, that we could look to and maybe, you know, would shine a better light on the game. And one of those things could have been the halftime show. Now, this year, Balloon 5 did the halftime show, and he had guest appearances by Travis Scott and Big Boy. And whenever you first hear that halftime show, you know, you could get excited about Balloon 5 because they're still a popular band. They've been around for a long time. And then you have acts like Travis Scott, who are popular now, and then Big Boy, who was, I think, just thrown onto the act because he's an Atlanta native. But anyway, Blue 5 came on, and they were playing some of the old stuff, and it, I had high hopes for it in the beginning. And then as the show went on, it just got to be more and more strange, I would call it. Adam Levine started taking out more and more pieces of clothing. He took off two jackets, which I'm not sure how he had two jackets. But anyway, he took off two jackets, he took off his shirt, he took off his guitar, he just took all of it off. And they, they even teased this scene from SpongeBob, which was the bubble bowl, and I got excited because that's an amazing SpongeBob episode. This is coming from a not-SpongeBob fan, and they teased it for 10 seconds, and then that was the extent of it. And I really feel like there was so much more that they could have done, and it was just... A huge letdown. I mean, all around. The the music was meh. You know, Million 5 was as good as they probably could have been. There were some cool visuals with drones and stuff like that. But, you know, the, nothing really, really exciting. And uh, it ended up being really boring. So, rather than dwell on this, I decided that maybe I could come up with a list of things I would rather do than to ever have to watch that game or to ever have to watch that halftime show ever again. So this is it. Are you ready for this? I would rather sit at the doctor's office for five hours with no cell phone service and have an old woman behind the desk continually tell me that it will only be five more minutes until the doctor sees me. 
I would rather get injected with Novocaine and then go the entire day eating nothing but soup and other liquid-based food. I would rather get punched in the face by Floyd Mayweather followed by getting a kick to the head by Conor McGregor. I would rather steal honey from a beehive without any protective clothing. And last, and this is a very important one, I would rather watch a 24-hour-long marathon of the Jason Statham movie Clank, followed by a 24-hour-long marathon of the sequel Clank High Voltage. And if any of you know me, you know how much I despise Jason Statham. In every movie that he is in, he plays the exact same character. I, I don't even know how you could call him an actor when he literally just plays himself in every movie that he's in. Every movie that you watch of his is exactly the same. He's in the Fast and the Furious movies. He plays the same character. He's in the Clank movies. He plays the same character. It's just endless. He was in the Meg. Same character. I haven't seen it. But without having seen it, I can assume that he plays the exact same character. He's a horrific actor. And I don't know why anyone enjoys watching him act. So the fact that I'm saying I would rather watch 48 hours straight of a Jason Statham marathon is telling you how bad this Super Bowl was. But there was some... We'll, we'll shed some light on some of the good moments. There was some good Super Bowl commercials in there. Uh, you had the, the Bud Light commercials, which actually made me really, uh, really laugh whenever they were taking the, the cold syrup to the Miller Lite castle and the, the Coors Light castle. That was pretty funny. Um, there were other ones scattered throughout there. Obviously, the the, the Clydesdales in there, you know, throwing a nice touch. But overall, you know, a very lackluster game. So if you're a Patriots fan, you're obviously pretty happy. Uh, they now tie the Steelers for having the most Super Bowl rings with six. And I think that we can finally put to bed who the greatest quarterback of all time is. You don't make it to nine Super Bowls and win six of them and not have any type of claim to being the greatest quarterback of all time. Tom Brady is undeniably the greatest quarterback of all time. And it pains me to say that as an Eagles fan who watched his team lose to Tom Brady's Patriots back in the early aughts. But you have to give respect where it's due. Tom Brady is a fantastic player. He will go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. And this game only solidifies that legacy. The more funny aspect of this game, though, is when we look at it from the Los Angeles Rams perspective. So after the game, all of the players, or the, the substantial players, will do press conferences. So players from the Patriots will do press conferences, and players on the Rams side will also do press conferences. And when you interview the, the winning team, they always have a bunch of fun and, and happy and exciting things to say about how good the game was and all that stuff. And then you turn to the other side, where for this game it was the Rams, and they'll talk about, oh, well, we could have done this better, we could have done this better. And one player that they interviewed 
specifically was, I believe he's the left tackle, Andrew Whitworth, who is old as the hills. I think he may be the, the oldest offensive tackle in the NFL right now, like 38 years old. But after the game, he was he was asked about um, retirement. And this is for NFL.com. Um, and he was asked about it. He said that he was mulling things over and everything. And he he ended with this great line, which basically tells you the state of the team and the state, most likely, of all Rams fans right now. It says, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, at the end of the day, you're all going to die. And that was not the cheeriest way to really lift up your team or to lift up your fan base. But... That was absolutely Andrew Whitworth being 100% real about the situation. And that's pretty much all I got of the Super Bowl. It was a game not worth watching, in my opinion. If you can get a recap someplace, go get the recap. It's probably only like 20 seconds long because of how bad the game was. But that wasn't the only big event that happened this weekend. Um... Somehow this completely slipped by me, but Saturday was Groundhog's Day. And our old friend Punxsutawney Phil uh, got up early Saturday morning on February 2nd and came out of his little hole to, I don't know how many onlookers watching to see what he would do. Uh, and the tradition is if Phil comes out of the hole and sees his shadow then that means that we're in for six more weeks of winter if he gets up out of the hole and doesn't see his shadow that means that we will not have six more weeks of winter and that spring will come early so this year phil got up out of his hole and he did not see his shadow indicating that we will not have six more weeks of winter, and we will instead have an early spring. So, I believe I might have done this before, but it's important to look at the statistics. How accurate is Phil? How accurate is Punxsutawney Phil? Because we, as Pennsylvanians, are giving everything that we have to Phil to determine if we're going to be happy soon, or if we're in for six more weeks of absolute hell. And... I wanted to look on uh, on these statistics, and I went to uh, Punxsutawney Phil's Wikipedia page, which he does have one, and what I found was that Phil has been forecasting these things for 120 years, which kudos to him for living that long. And what I found was that in 120 appearances, Phil predicted... 103 forecasts for an early, sorry, for winter for six more weeks, and only 17 for early spring. So what we witnessed on February 2nd this year is something that doesn't happen that often. Now, it's fair to wonder how accurate Phil actually is. So on Phil's Wikipedia page, there is a section called Statistics, and it talks about the different areas um, that have determined how accurate uh, Phil is. So, like the Weather Underground, the Farmer's Almanac, the National Geographic Society have determined how accurate uh, Phil's predictions are. And basically, all that they say is that 
This is summarizing here. Most assessments of Phil's accuracy have given accuracy lower than would be expected with random chance. So basically, it doesn't matter if Phil sees a shadow or not. If you walked up to any stranger on the street and asked them if they thought we were going to have six more weeks of winter or early spring, the chances of them getting correct are just about as accurate as what Phil would be. So that's not really great if you're a true believer in the Punxsutawney Phil uh, uh, folklore and all that. But Pennsylvania tradition... Uh, I actually didn't even realize that it was happening until about three quarters of the way through my Saturday, and I looked on social media, and I was like, oh, hey, Phil's, uh, Phil did not see his shadow today. Um, it's not going to drastically change anything that I do over these next six weeks, um, seeing as how we will not have winter for all of those. But it's just a, a fun little thing that, that happens every February. Um, so, yeah. I just wanted to to touch base with everyone uh, this week. Short podcast this week. Um, everything's been a little bit hectic. I was running around a lot, went home. I uh, didn't really have time to, to plan out too much, but thought I'd sit down with the mic for a few minutes and, and talk to y'all. And um, I'll uh, look forward to having some guests on for next week. And uh, until then, this has been the Take It Offline podcast, and I will see you later.